You can take a seat. Welcome to everyone, everyone watching online, everyone that's here today. And it's a good group of people out today. If I haven't met you before, my name is Carol Haynes, and I'm married to Jack, and we are the lead pastors of the church. We used to say the senior pastors of the church, but as we get, you know, older, we decided lead pastor is a lot better, sounds a lot better. <laughs> and where is he, by the way? Well, he is on a father and son getaway weekend. That, to those that know us, that's amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> So praise the Lord for that. Good things. God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to uh, bring a word today that's entitled, Do Not Fear the Winds of Adversity. So heart check really quick when I say something like that. What, what do you feel when I say the winds of adversity? Do you have a little thud? You know, oh, you know and sometimes we have a sense of foreboding over our lives that I want to try to eliminate today, to try to put some light into, to put some wisdom to it. Because sometimes life has been just that hard and we haven't got through it in the way that God would have us get through it. And so we're left with some sort of remnant of something that is in our spirit that is, becomes a stronghold where we don't expect good things in life. We expect bad things in life. And we expect bad things will come and keep on coming and we fear them and we hope not to have them happen again. Well, I want today to unlock something in our hearts that we do not fear adversity, but that we are strong in the Lord and God has something to do in our lives through that. Amen? Amen. So I want to just begin with a story. In fact, there'll be a few stories today. And the essence of this message really leans into a prophetic word. So would you be sensitive to the Holy Spirit today? Would you just, you know, listen with with ears that are ready to receive, not to examine or judge, but ready to receive and to go, oh, that's me, that's me, oh, that's for me. Just keep picking up those little gems that God deposits to you because you're going to leave here with the word of God deposited in your heart that will make change that is lasting and real. So you know that uh, we have a new grandbaby. Um, Jack put a photo up there a few weeks ago of Zeke. Ryan Alderton has our seventh grandchild and the do our daughter, Carissa, I gave birth to him on the 10th of the month. So I was up there a week beforehand to, to be with her, to support her and get her through that final hump before the baby was born. And in that week, we decided to go out and do photographs, you know, the maternity photograph. And, and I like to dabble in photography, no expert, but I have a lot of fun, especially pointing a camera at people I love. And so we went out to a very special spot in Tamworth called King George V Avenue. And it is a favorite photography location, a lot of weddings and other type of photos, they stand in this beautiful avenue, and it's a very special place. Uh, the trees along this avenue were planted in 1936 to be a living memorial to King George V, who had passed away during that year. And they specifically chose English oaks because of the British king, and that they would grow in this area that was known to be a floodplain because that particular species likes their feet wet. So it worked well for them. This is now a heritage-listed avenue. Originally, there were 318 trees. I don't know how many remain, but it's a beautiful, shady avenue to, to go there. 
and to just enjoy the beauty that's there. And some of the trees are just massive, and some are just average in size, depending, I guess, on how much water they got or whatever the situation was. So after the birth of the baby, um, we had a couple of days. We couldn't necessarily be at hospital, and so... I decided to just revisit this spot. I was a little bit sentimental about it. it was, we had some pretty photos. And I wanted to go back and just pick a couple of leaves from a particular oak tree that was the biggest of them all and that we had positioned ourselves underneath. And when I was taking photos, I was busy looking at my daughter and looking at the tree and not ever looking at my feet. And so I went to this tree, parked the car, went to this tree, and as I was picking the leaves, I also looked down and underneath my feet were dozens and dozens of baby oak trees. This is one of them. And I thought, oh, how special. I've never seen that. And then I realized with the recent floods and the acorns that had dropped in the autumn just previous had begun to sprout. And I thought, I want one. <laughs> and I thought, is it okay? <laughs> Can I take one? And then I thought, well, it's council, and when they mow the lawns, they're going to be gone, right? So I thought, yeah, I'm going to have a couple. So <laughs> looking around carefully, <laughs> I lifted out three of these little oak trees, and then I headed down to Bunnings, and I found little pots and some potting soil to put them in. And it's just like in the moment, I just had to have this oak tree. I just wanted to take it with me. I'm very sentimental. That may have been my first motive for sure. But as I took this oak and I put it in the ground and I, um, the others with it, um, I began to sense that there was something of God on that, that that was more like a prophetic moment. And so I was, had something to learn about the oak tree. And so I began to just open my ears, open my eyes to, to think about the oak tree now, you can see that this little tree has the tiny, well, maybe you can't see, it's the tiniest, I don't think it's two mils, maybe one mil thick as a tree compared to what its parent was. Just massive. And I took them back to the um, little granny flat that's out back of Ryan and Chris's house, and I set them out in the shade of another tree and thought that's a good place for them to settle in, be new, etc. And on the day we were going to leave, there was this huge storm came in. And the winds began to blow, and the rain literally was pounding down. And I remembered the little oak trees that I had planted. And I looked across, because they were across the, the lawn uh, underneath the tree, and I could just see them being pummeled. They were just being beaten, and their little, <laughs> you know, little trunks were just swaying like that. And what was my first reaction? I wanted to go rescue them. <laughs> I wanted to protect those little oak trees. But then my next thought was, no, they're oak trees. They're oak trees. They'll be fine. And so I just left them until we were ready to pack up and get in the car and head back. And then I read in Isaiah 61 that week, and talking about the trees of righteousness. And I read it from a diff different translation and never realized that when Isaiah 61 talks about the trees of righteousness, there is in the original Hebrew a specific word, and it's the oak tree. That they would be the oak trees of righteousness. 
Now, oak trees exist all over the world. There's hundreds of species, but I was really quite interested in knowing the ones that are in Israel, which I'll get to a little bit later. But how, how about we just pray, and then I want to read this scripture, and let's ask the Holy Spirit to open something up to our hearts, okay? Father, I thank you for a word in season. I thank you that you speak to us and you speak to the deepest needs of our lives. Lord, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have not left us orphans, that we are not forsaken, that we are not just given to the elements of life and tossed about and without any help whatsoever. But God, you are with us in the storm. You're with us in the winds and the rain. You're with us through every moment of our lives. And I pray today that we will gain a fresh perspective on what you are doing in our lives and what you have done in the past. I pray, Father, specifically for those that have been uh, deeply uh, damaged by life, that, Father, you would help today to reframe those events of their lives, that you would, as it is, uh, rewrite the history of their hearts and help them to see you in the midst of their most difficult days and knowing that, God, you are truly the God who is with us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Isaiah 61, verse 3, we'll put up on the screen. This is the Amplified Version, which usually we don't quote because it takes so long, but it says it so well. To grant consolation and joy to those who born in Zion, to give them an ornament, a garland, a diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment expressive of praise instead of a heavy burdened and failing spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Isaiah 61, verse 3, but verses 1 and 2 are what Jesus quoted when he was in the synagogue at Nazareth when he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. And then he began to list all of the things that he has been anointed to. He finished short of verse three, but it's that context that is the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. So then in Isaiah's day, this was a promise to Israel, but because it was fulfilled in Christ, because that's what he said this day, this is fulfilled in your hearing, we now can say, that's ours too. That is ours for us today. And so total and complete power of the cross of Jesus Christ is available to our lives. And sometimes we don't really take into scope the whole breadth of what salvation is. Our salvation is complete and it's spirit, soul, and body as we see so much brought out in this this passage, so much about the emotions, so much about the heart, so much about what we've experienced. When Jesus Christ comes into our lives, when the Spirit of God is alive in us, change happens. It has to happen. It absolutely has to happen. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. And why? That he may be glorified, glorified in us, glorified in the work of what he does to us. And so we get a crown of beauty instead of the ashes of shame in the Old Testament and in even cultures today. A sign of mourning and of shame would be to throw dirt 
or ashes upon you to instantly take away what was your normal appearance and to be put into something that was uh, disdainful and pitiful. Uh, Tamar, when she was violated by her half-brother, she went and tore her garments and threw ashes on her head because that's what had become of her. And so it was a sense of hopelessness. Then the, the oil of joy that refreshes and brings back new vitality to us. Oil soothes and restores the dried out spirit. And then praise to be worn like a garment. The expression of a life that is full of joy and has been lifted up from hopelessness into new life. And that heavy burdened failing spirit that is brought out here in the Amplified is the image of a smoking flax that was used to light something. And you know, just that dim little ember, like, at, like a candle. Have you ever had a candle and then you blew it out? And before it finished, there was just that little orange glow there, just that little tiny, tiny bit of something before it went out. This is what it's talking about. Just the tiniest bit of life left before it goes. And we can be to that point and God can come and lift us out of that and lift off that heaviness out of it, lift that hopelessness off of our lives and make something great and wonderful out of our lives that we may be called the oaks of righteousness. We may never know or understand the source of our suffering and the things that we go through. There are many things, and we could name some of them, but in the end, what does it matter? We've had to go through it, and it's been hard, but is there something after that? Is there some good that can come out of that? I believe that because we belong to the Lord, that he wastes nothing, even our sorrows, even our troubles. And they may be hard when we're going through them, but once we're through them and we get through the other side, and even while we're in the midst of them, we can begin to understand and see that, after all, this is hard, but I serve a God who has not forsaken me. I am absolutely in the palm of his hand, and he is with me through this. Amen. So I mentioned that there are many species of oaks throughout the earth, all over the world, hundreds of oaks, and they're val valued for different purposes. But I wanted to know about the ones that grow in Israel. So we'll have a photo up there for you. Um, there's four or five different species that are prominent, but largely Israel is a dry land. There are pockets of valleys where there's you know lushness and green, but mostly it's a, a dry land and any plant that's going to survive and thrive in Israel has to be rugged and resilient and be able to find a water source because it just doesn't come from the sky all the time. They have to be able to exist in such an environment. So what makes an oak tree strong? First thing is its roots. The roots of an oak tree are extraordinary roots and the oak tree is constantly about the business of laying down roots. In fact, an oak tree's roots, you can ascertain that as high as the tree is, the roots are that deep. And as wide as the tree is, the roots are that wide. And as it grows, as the canopy, the top part of the tree grows, the roots must grow. And they continue to go in, in equal growth because it has to support that heavy, huge structure that it has. So the roots go down deep and the roots go down wide, out wide, and a oak tree develops roots as long as it lives until it comes into its decline and its death. And this reminds me of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, which says, Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots, say my roots, 
My roots, okay, your roots, my roots, will grow down into God's love and keep you what? Strong. They will keep you strong. When you say, I don't have any strength, where's your roots? What are, what are you, what's holding you? What's grounding you? What's resourcing you? What's feeding you? What's sustaining you? Roots. And your roots are to go down into Christ's love. And just like the oak tree, those roots are to search out the source of water and nutrition. So we'll continue on. And may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So think of yourself like an oak tree. I've got a lot of growth up here, so I need roots that go down deep there. And I need deep roots that go out there. And it's all in the basis of Christ's love, not in our own uh, attainments, our own resource, our, our own strength, but in Jesus Christ, our source. So the, the soil of God's love is a welcoming environment for every believer, every new believer, every longtime follower of Jesus Christ. We need to continue to keep on building roots because it's your roots that will make you strong. For the oak tree, as I just mentioned, there is a much, as much above the ground as there is below the ground. And you probably have come across some species of trees, maybe even recently with our woods and our floods, some of the gum trees that don't have that type of structure. They don't have roots that go down as deep as they are high. They grow high and higher and higher, and then the soil gets wet, the storm comes, and down comes this tree that may have been there for 50 years. And it's a shame, and you look at it and they go, why did that happen? Roots. And maybe we've seen that in our own life or in those around us and go, why did that happen? Roots. It's roots. So a long enduring tree has good, strong roots. And they bring growth as well as stability. They maintain that the, the tree will continue to grow. So we may find ourselves in life that we're starting to grow much more above the ground than we are below the ground. You may have some life circumstance change. You may have a new responsibility come. And then suddenly, ooh, wow, okay, I'd, I'd, wow, how do I do this? How do I handle this? Um, my daughter has a, a baby, her first baby. And any of those that have been parents know that, oh, wow, suddenly <laughs> life has changed and I need more resource. I need to grow deeper. Uh, you, we need to grow deeper in so many different ways. Uh, it could be a change of relationship. Uh, it could be many other things that happen where we just have to have more going on be, beneath the ground than is on top. So the changes in our top growth require more growth below. We might need to grow in our character. Someone has said, don't let your gift outpace your character. You might have great opportunity and you might be known and, and out the front, but the character underneath the ground, the things that people don't see, that needs to grow just as much so you can sustain the responsibility and the opportunity that you have. We need to grow in selflessness. Nobody sees that. That's a choice we make, isn't it? We need to grow in faith. That is something within our heart that's between us and God. And it's, a, it's an inner work of the Spirit. We need to grow in humility before God and other people. 
We need to grow in wisdom and understanding if we're going to handle all this top growth. We may need to deepen our prayer life and pray longer. We may need to recognize that we have to have a greater dependence upon God and upon his grace. And it's no longer possible to continue on in our own strength. We need God. So that is underneath the ground growth that we all could use. And a tree can withstand, an oak tree can withstand a great storm. It may even lose part of its canopy and major branches can break, but it will regrow because it's alive underground. And so that is a truth that we can take home to ourselves. So consider in the last few years, what have they revealed about you? What have you discovered about your root systems? I'll just leave that thought with you. The second thing that causes oak trees to grow is that they are steady in their growth and they continually adapt. So they grow steady and they grow continually and that makes their wood so strong and so useful. And within the DNA of the oak tree is the potential to grow tall and to grow wide and to develop a strong trunk. Now the oak trees that we saw in the picture on King George the Fifth Avenue Uh, were specifically planted to be 13 meters apart, which when it's a little tiny tree, not this little, I'm sure they were, you know, probably four or five years old. Um, They're now 90. Uh, They were planted with the thought that this tree, you know, would, what's 13 meters? What's the end of that platform? Am I 13 meters yet? Tell me. It's 10? Oh, that's a fact to know. Okay, so they were planted at least that wide apart as little tiny trees, but with the knowing potential that they were going to grow really big and they wanted them to make a canopy over the road. That's, that was the desire to do that. So they had to grow big and they had to have a tree trunk that was going to support all that growth on top. And so what do trees do to develop that strength? Well, there's a wonderful word. It's called, they, they develop stress wood. Stress wood or reaction wood. This is essential to the development of any strong tree. And what is the source of the stress for the stress wood? It's the wind. It's the wind. And without the wind, the tree will never grow strong. Now let that sink in. Without the wind, the tree will never grow strong. And the stress wood creates a thickened layer. It balances out the growth of the tree It makes it capable, it reacts to the storm, and so it makes it capable of withstanding further storms because it says, oh, I know what I'm against. I don't know what trees think. But in the the whole ways that trees are made, they, they react. They react to the stress, but they react in a good way by saying, I have to be stronger. I have to be stronger. And sometimes we just wilt away and go, I'm not strong. Well, get strong. (laughs) It's possible. It's possible through Jesus Christ. And so they also, in in growing that stress wood, make it so that they can receive the sun and be in the most optimal position and balance out their growth and grow up straight and strong. When a tree is cut down, you can examine the rings of a tree and you can actually see where this stress wood has, has developed, what it has experienced. So without the wind, it cannot grow strong. Biosphere 2. Has anybody ever heard of Biosphere 2? It's in Oracle, Arizona, out in the Arizona desert. Having come from Arizona, I can tell you there are lots of weird and wonderful things out in the desert. 
You just have to wander around. You go, what's that? And you'll come up on it, and wow. Okay, Biosphere 2 is one of those things. And it was a, an idea that started back in 1984 of creating an enclosed, totally sealed-off environment to experiment, maybe with the future thought of um, you know, landing on the moon and living on the moon and, or Mars or something like that. And inside that environment was to be everything that eight people would need to live to sustain their lives for two years. Just the thought of that makes me feel suffocated. <laughs> like, let me out. <laughs> but and in 1991, it came about. And it was financed by a wealthy Texan who believed in the, the vision of it. And eight people entered into that biosphere to be sustained by everything that was in it. And so 3,800 different species of plants and small animals, even insects, were brought into the biosphere. And so it's a fascinating story to read about and what worked and what didn't work. Uh, the technology was absolutely mind-boggling. And because of the technology that was there, they could absolutely control all the conditions. They could control the atmosphere, the mixture of the gases, um, the amount of heat and coolness that was in there, the amount of water that was given to the plants. Everything was controlled. Doesn't that sound like a perfect environment? You know what? You go, oh, no, there's something wrong with that. But don't we try to do that? Don't we try to control our environment? Don't we want the perfect environment? Don't we don't want the, the winds of change and adversity or whatever to come our way? We want to control our environment. So here it is, an actual an experiment that controlled the environment entirely. And what they learned was that the species of plants, um, with the protection and the encouragement of all that they gave them, grew faster than usual. And it was amazing how fast the trees grew. But then, one by one, they began to fall over. They fell down. And they never reached their maturity. They grew tall, and then they fell over. And why was that? Can you tell me? No wind. There was no wind in Biosphere 2. And so the trees did not develop the strength that they needed to have. Trees need wind. God calls us oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness need wind. We need the blowing of the wind. We need those sometimes strong winds to blow against us because that's what will make us strong. We need the wind. So we should not fear when they come, but we should look and go, God, what are you going to do in me through this? What's going to happen inside of me? How I don't like it. It's miserable, but I know I'll be stronger when I finish up through it. Sometimes we try to do this with our, our children. We try to protect them from the elements, don't we? Um, just like me trying to protect these little trees. Uh, we can't bear to see them have something happen like rejection or not being the winner. In fact, they play on the team and everyone's a winner. No one loses. Well, how are they going to learn to want to try harder and be better if everyone's always a winner? Nobody, nothing, there's nothing to distinguish and to say, I need to get out and do something. We need that resilience within our hearts. Anybody coach teams and know what that's like? or had you? Yeah, well, we, we're not all winners. Sometimes we lose. Sometimes we are rejected. Sometimes life is just doggone hard. And that's okay. That's okay. Because we belong to Jesus, and he is with us, and he will help us. And so the wins are something maybe to be endured, but not to be feared. 
And when we find the winds face, that are facing us down, we need to face the problem and look to God. Look up to God. Face into the problem and look up to God. I read a prophetic word um, by someone who was commenting on this topic, and I, I'll just summarize what she said because I thought it was beautiful. She saw a man walking out on the beach, and he was facing into a strong wind, and it was so strong that his body had to lean just to keep moving along as he went. And he pursued. He, he, kept, he persevered. He continued to keep leaning into the wind, and then the wind calmed down and it finally stopped and he stood upright and he stood up taller than he'd ever stood up before because he'd been facing into the wind and he discovered that he was stronger than he was before because he had been taking every step into the wind and had to use his muscles and to strain to keep upright but now he was a stronger man and I thought what a beautiful description of exactly what God is wanting to do in our lives. Now, this baby oak, I have to confess I have babied it because it was so precious. And it's only, I don't know, it's just months old. And so when I brought it home, there was a lot of wind and there was a lot of rain. And um, I was conscious that it might just break. And I didn't want it to break. I'm rather attached to it. So um, what did I do? I actually sat it on the high chair that is next to the window in my kitchen and it just got this soft little sunlight and it was just so nice and I haven't yet put it outside to face any wind or anything harsh but you know what I discovered when I picked it up today to look at it it's actually developing a little bit of mildew on its leaves and do you know why because it hasn't been out in the wind and it hasn't been out in the sun and if I don't get it outside soon it's not going to make it so we don't want to be pot plants sheltered in a hot house. We want to be these trees of righteousness, planting of the Lord, so let's not fear the wind. Absolutely. Let's see people creeping up here, are you? You can come up if you like, but don't make any sounds. <laughs> so have we got enough of that? We'd have to get this hard wood developed in us. And from this test, of test, you're going to have a testimony. You're going to be saying, God is, is so real in my life. I know him in a way that I didn't know him before. The winds will come. All right? The winds will come, so we can't fear them. We just have to know that they will come, and God is with us, and we'll be stronger when we finish up that. You know, we've had a wrong thinking and perhaps soft-selled the gospel And I apologize if you have been led to believe that when you come to Jesus, all your troubles are over and your life will be easy. It's just not true. We're still on the planet. We're in a sin-fallen planet and things will happen in our lives. And just the natural, normal conditions of life will happen to us. We age. We have things come and go from our lives. And we cannot escape adversity in our lives I think it's the reason some people have fallen away because they had a false idea that life was always supposed to be good and I'd never have a problem again if I follow Jesus. Can I just debunk that? You still have a good life. You'll have a great life. You'll have a wonderful, abundant life. You'll have the tools and the ability and the power to live the life that you have. What We need a fresh wind. We've been singing that song and we'll sing it again in a, in a moment 
And for so many years, the wind has not just been harmful, but it's also been beneficial. It's pushed great sailing ships across the oceans of the earth. It's been harnessed by its power to help us do so many things that have benefited uh, mankind. Jesus compared the Holy Spirit to a wind that we don't know where it comes from or where it goes, but he's here. He's working in our life. And he was speaking specifically about the experience of being born again. So today, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome the wind of the Holy Spirit to come breathe upon us. And we ask that you'll be with us in a new and fresh way for our lives. And finally, as I close, and it says in my notes now, the team can come to the platform. (laughs) I thought they were there. (laughs) That's funny. As you know, Jack was in Arizona for two weeks, and he spent the majority of the time with Pastor Messer, which was a wonderful, wonderful treat. 47 years of him being our pastor and of friendship. And they talked long and talked deep about many things in the events of their lives and the storms they have weathered and the the miracles that they've seen and how God has worked in their lives. And in just a moment, John will have something played, so you'll have to stop. So while they were talking, Pastor Messer began to prophesy. And so Jack said, would you repeat that? Because I would like to record that and just play it for the church. And so Pastor Messer has a word for us today on a fresh wind of the spirit that I know is going to reach your heart and touch your life. And so maybe you won't even close your eyes if the team are ready to play it. Let's just listen to a word from the Lord. You know, Jack, it's a wonderful thing as we sit together thinking and talking about the treasures of heaven, the good things and the dreams. These past three years have been so very difficult all over the world. Millions of people have died. Millions of Christians have been just had a very difficult time and actually clinging on to hope. And the devil would love to steal our hope. And winds have blown, but today I want to prophesy in this house, knowing that the Word of God, the Bible talks about strong winds, contrary winds, living in Arizona, and actually living in Australia. I think we know a little bit about what strong winds are. And many times, as sons and daughters of God that love God, it seems like the winds are blowing against us. Slowing us down, hindering our progress. But I feel in my heart today that the same winds that have been contrary, difficult, are about to change. Glory to God. And instead of blowing against us, listen to me, church, the wind is going to, as it were, push us forward. Glory to God. Pushing us towards our destiny, our hopes, and our dreams. I prophesy this over the house today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you add your amen to that? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you have spoken to us today through your word and through these examples. We thank you for the voice of prophecy in our midst. We thank you for a word in season from God. We thank you, Lord, that you are our help and that you are hope. Lord, that we are not a people of hopelessness, 
We are not a people that are downtrodden. We are not a people that are rejected. We are not a people that are down for the count and almost out. But Lord, we are a people destined to be strong in the Lord. Father, we thank you that you call us oaks, oaks of righteousness. We thank you, Lord God, that there is something in every trial and test and every wind of adversity that works for us and not against us. And Lord, I break the power of thoughts over us that that say this is against us and it's going to beat me down. I break the power of that. I reject that which would hinder us. I reject that which holds us back. And we look face forward into any wind that comes knowing that God is with us. And Lord, I also pray for a shifting in the wind. I pray as Pastor Messer prophesied that what has been against us would now come behind us and move us forward. I pray that we would take steps, even though they're small steps, maybe they're even haltering steps, we would take steps to know that God, you are moving in us and working through us and that you are there to help us. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We thank you for your power. We thank you for the blessing of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace that is so abundant. Lord, I pray that each one of us would examine our roots and that, Lord, without any condemnation, without any fear, that we would branch out those roots, that we would reach out into the love of God, that we would know the love of Jesus, that our roots would sense him, feel him, touch him, be sustained by him, draw our nourishment from him, be resourced by him, Oh, Father God, I pray for strong roots in every member of our church family. Lord, I just see some tall trees amongst us. I recognize them walking in the door, that they have come through the storm. They have come through adversity, and now they are strong. I pray you'll strengthen them more. And I pray for those of us that are still feeling so weak, Lord, that we would get to our feet. We would stand up. We would begin to trust the Lord and his grace and his power upon us. I thank you now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet and the team are going to come.